Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. The Volume. Charles Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brevard. Alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we're going to be giving all of our thoughts on Sunday's Week 5 action. And we have to start, Logan, with the game of the week. Without a doubt, the most hyped up matchup on this schedule. And it ends up being an absolute bloodbath. The Niners just kill the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, continue to assert themselves as the most impressive and most dominant team in the league so far. So what did you take away from this performance? I think the Niners are my Super Bowl favorites. I felt like this Carson for three to four weeks now. I believe you're in the same boat as me with this. They're just so Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly talented. It feels like everywhere on the field, they're linebacking cores. Uh, The entirety of this defense, the pass rush, the secondary on offense, they are so overwhelmingly loaded in terms of talent with Brandon Ayuk who showed out again today Debo Samuel George Kittle has his first three touchdown game of his career and my big takeaway outside of them being my Super Bowl favorites is that I really think you have to get the San Francisco 49ers out of rhythm to beat them and what I mean by that is you have to get them just off beat I don't think that this does not condemn the Dallas Cowboys for me as a legitimate contender I would still have them there. If they played again, I don't think this is as bad of a beatdown. But I think you have to get the Niners out of their comfort zone. You have to force them to win with Brock Purdy. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, right? But you have to slow down the run, and you have to force the Niners to beat you with Brock through the air. Because when they are in sync, in rhythm, and everything's working like this, I just think they're the most talented team in football. They're the best coach team in football, and they're arguably the most talented like they're just they're stacked man and I think you have to get them out of rhythm early everything was working and I don't know the Cowboys just could never get them off beat Carson and I just I think Brock Purdy I think you can win a Super Bowl with him man I question is he elite is he not I don't think it matters he has an invaluable trait and that's that he has a great feel for the game man he is still undefeated as an NFL starter 
like I said, I'm not going to overreact to this too much uh, on the Cowboys side of this. I still think they're legit contenders. I want to see them play a lot better, obviously, moving forward in the season to instill more confidence in them. But the Niners, to me, are the best team in football, and they continue to establish that week in, week out. We just haven't seen them. We haven't seen anyone really able to disrupt them or throw them off their game at all, Carson. I think you have to get out in front of them, throw them off rhythm, and get Bur uh, Purdy to play from behind and force him to win uh, by throwing. That's a lot easier said than done, but I think that's the formula to beat the Niners. I think there's a real gap between them and the rest of the league right now, and this performance put a real exclamation point on that. Only the Rams have really even been competitive with them so far. That Cardinals game was for some time, but it ends up a three-score final deficit. They are unbelievably loaded at every position group, as you said. But when we were in the preseason process, looking at them versus the Eagles, another team that was loaded in pretty much every position group, I gave the edge to Philly because I felt that they had a meaningful edge at the quarterback position. A guy who could create more out of structure, a guy who had proven himself as an elite threat, a guy who we saw sustain that level over multiple playoff games an entire regular season. And I just don't think that there's nearly as much of a gap as I expected. Brock Purdy is playing the quarterback position at a very high level. And to me, we have just surpassed the conversations of, oh, could you drop X random mediocre starting quarterback into this situation and would they produce exactly like Purdy? If you want to talk about some of the fringe top 10 guys, the Kirk Cousins of the world, that's different. But the separator between Purdy and even a Derek Carr to me, there's a couple. One is really tremendous feel for the game and timing and anticipation, as you mentioned. But it's also the ability to limit mistakes. That in and of itself is a gift. That is a valuable trait. Purdy is just not liable to have the boneheaded plays that a lot of other dudes around the league do. He does have a bit of creation. His arm is certainly not elite, but it's a solid arm. I don't see it as a limiting factor as much as, say, Tua's, who's liable to have like one really painfully underthrown ball a game that can kill you. He is just playing so efficiently, so composed, and yes, he has a dominant running game to lean on and excellent weapons in space and excellent play calling, but he is going out there, he's executing it, and there is no question that he is not holding this back from being maybe the best offense in football, certainly a top three offense in football, as reliable and as complete an offense as there is. And then opposite that, it is a loaded defensive group at every unit. Of course, the linebackers are special. The pass rush was dominant today. I think the secondary is maybe a bit underrated. And they just had the Cowboys in hell for this entire football game. This is still a concerning performance for Dallas because we can rave about how incredible San Francisco was. But Dak in this offense needs to be better. Of course, they get 42 hung on them, and that is a problem in and of itself. I don't think it's the most complete defense in Dallas. I do think it is very reliant on that pass rush getting home, and I thought that Purdy, first of all, did an excellent job of getting the ball out fast. San Francisco was so dominant in the run game, and I thought Purdy made a couple nice throws under pressure in this game too. The back seven is not as imposing for the Cowboys. But offensively is where we've seen them inconsistent, at times disjointed throughout the first five weeks of the season. And we have to put some of that on Dak because the vision with a West Coast system, with a new offensive approach, was Kellen Moore was very aggressive pushing the ball downfield. And we saw that cost Dallas at times with Dak's career high turnover numbers. 
and yet he still comes into a game like this. He has the terrible overthrow on the first pick, ends with three painful interceptions in this game, and never gets anything dynamic going either. I mean, really, it was checkdowns for the most part, or it was a negative play from Dak Prescott in this offense, and they couldn't establish the run against a defense of this caliber, which has been what they've been able to consistently rely on across the first four weeks of the season. So I would still have Dallas in that number three spot in the NFC, which is where I have had them. Cause I just think they're more talented. Although Detroit is really mm -hmm. pushing for that spot. Yeah, and we're going to have man. to talk about them. I do still think that combination of elite pass rush and what Dallas is capable of offensively with their weapons, with their run game, with Dak, when he's playing well, that's an elite football team when they're humming. But I just don't think they are as refined, they are as put together, they are as complete as the Eagles. I don't think you can put them in the same conversations as the Niners after this. So, yeah, they're stacked still for the most part. But I don't feel great about the Cowboys after this game relative to expectations. Yeah, and I mean, the reality is with, you know, in comparison to other Cowboys teams that have been legitimate contenders, I think this is a step back in terms of a dominant running game. I think that's something that Dak always needs to be a competitive winner. Like, and I wonder, Carson, if we need to start having serious conversations about, you know, I mean, is Dak really that number 10 guy? Like, do a, do a quick thought exercise with me just for this season. Would you rather have Dak or Kirk? I would rather have Kirk. He's playing much better right now. Would you rather have Dak or Matthew Stafford? That's pretty close because Stafford has had a good amount of those killer mistakes, mm -hmm. but I still think he has made more impressive, elevating throws. I think his offense has been able to rely on him more consistently. I think Stafford has been the better quarterback through five weeks. And that's what's frustrating, man, is it just feels like Dak needs more things to be in his favor. This offensive line has regressed. It's not as dominant as, it's one, as it once was. When Tony Pollard is not going, this offense is, is severely limited by Dak. Like you mentioned, it, not even just the picks, man. Like Dak was straight up inaccurate yeah. tonight. He missed a lot of throws. He had one really nice one to Kevontae Turpin, that TD where Turpin caught it over his shoulder. That was yeah. a beautiful ball, but... A lot of bad overthrows in this game. I mean, I've been a Dak supporter. I've been a Dak guy for a long time, man. And I buy into Dak as a leader, but I don't know, man. I don't know if he can get the job done. Like, Dak really worries me. It, it, these are games where, I mean, the Cowboys weren't even competitive in this one, man. I, week by week, it feels like the Lions are creeping and creeping closer and closer yeah, to that number sure. three spot, man. And I'm slowly losing confidence in Dallas. Like I said... It's week five. It's not time to hit the panic button by any means. The Cowboys are super, uber, uber talented. There's a lot of football left to play in this season, but uh, there's been nothing encouraging really for me through five weeks. I mean, the only two contenders, or I won't even say contenders. They've played two. They've played four pretty bad teams. They've played one really good team. They got blown out by the really good team, and they got beat pretty badly by a, a pretty bad team. Yeah. Like, Dallas has got to get it done against contenders, man. And against, you saw it today. A real Super Bowl contender, a team that it is my favorite to win the Super Bowl. They're not even in the same conversation. Uh, yeah, man, a, a couple more weeks like this against real contenders, and I think I will be ready to bump Detroit up. Not just yet. I need to see it a few more weeks. But Dallas is, I'm losing more and more confidence in Dallas week by week, man. 
And they are built to blow out bad football teams. Like, if you really struggle at the quarterback position, if your line isn't good, they will eat you alive. They will generate turnovers. And then they can rely on the run game. Dak can do just enough. And they can easily beat you 40 to nothing, 30 to 10, as we saw in those first couple weeks. But their wins have come against some of the worst teams in football. Like the Giants, the Jets, the Cardinals, and the Patriots, those teams have a combined five wins, and somehow the Jets are the one out of that group that has two of them. So we do need to see them do it against higher-level competition, and I expected more from Dak this year. I thought that he would be better, but you mentioned the Lions comparison. I certainly have more faith in Detroit's offense right now because of how dominant they are running between the tackle because of their play calling, but also because I think Jared Goff is pretty clearly playing the position at a higher level right now. And we were doing the Dak versus Kurt comparisons and whatnot. But when it comes down to Dak and Purdy in this matchup, I don't know who you're taking. I feel like it's pretty clearly Brock Purdy who is playing better, who I would rather have for the rest of this season. And that's independent of situation. He is just a more reliable, consistent, efficient decision maker. 100%. I mean, I think the only edge that I'd really give Dak is maybe pure arm talent. But again, you see... I'd rather take a guy who's more pinpoint accurate and who has better feel for the game. I just think Brock, I think that's his most underrated trait, man. We can get caught up in all these, oh, he can throw at all these arm angles. He can. He has so much creation outside of the pocket. Does he sense the game? Does he feel the game? Does he anticipate well? Brock does that as well as any other quarterback in football, and that's still a distinct advantage I think he has over Dak. Give me Brock, man. Brock's, Brock's also creeping into that top ten. I yes. wouldn't have him there, but he's he's really really close man like he's as as fringe a top 10 QB and you put it in the group chat too man I think this is probably one of our hotter takes I would take him over Tua man I think that that's probably where I come down I think both of them are top 15 but I would still give Brock that slight edge over Tua man I would too I think that Brock is actually capable of a bit more creation I think that he is a better arm talent. Neither of them are super dynamic, but I think Tua is more limiting. And I think that Tua is more prone to the boneheaded plays. We saw today he has a couple of terrible interceptions. Brock always looks calm. He always looks composed. He's always in control of the game. I mean, for God's sakes, he had one incompletion last week. And there's just few guys who can execute like that. So those are the two ultimate, like, aided by systems and loaded talent and brilliant offensive minds, guys. So the production is elite, but maybe the raw talent doesn't scream elite. But I would take Purdy between the two of them right now. And I do think that he is absolutely, at the very least, a fringe top 10 quarterback. And he's not replacement level. I can tell you that. Of course, he wouldn't look this good in 30 other situations around the league, but he is good, period, point blank. Okay, let's talk about the first game of the day, Logan, because it was between a couple of pretty high-profile AFC teams. Bills-Jags. The Jags defend their home turf, so to speak, over there in London. What did you take away from this one? The Jags are still a a legitimate contender. Uh, I think that this game could have gone very differently. One, I think it's tough. You're playing in London. That's basically a Jags home game. The Jags got to stay in London this week while the Bills traveled too, so you don't have both teams competing with the jet lag, the time zone difference, stuff like that. The Jags pass rush was really able to get home and caused a lot of trouble for Josh in this game, and they blitzed on 32% of his dropbacks, uh, and Allen completed just 4 of 11 passes for 41 yards on those plays. I think the bigger issue in this game was Matt Milano going out, though, early in this one. 
I think it's a killer, dude. Without Matt Milano, I mean, he's such a game-changing talent at the linebacking position. I think that's really what killed Buffalo in this game. Everything worked over the middle of the field. Like, he is a complete anchor on that side of the football, man. Uh, they were able to run the ball. Travis Etienne had a huge game out of the backfield receiving two. And like I said, man, this Bills offensive line played a really poor game against this blitz. Uh I think the Jags are still really good. I, you know, I don't think they're in the Bills territory, and I hope people don't overreact to this game and say, you know, put the Bills back where they were after that Jets game. I don't think it's that bad of a loss, but uh, the Bills need Matt Milano straight up, man. He's one of the best linebackers in football, and I think that's the singular reason that they lost this football game, man. It just, that's a brutal injury to sustain early in this game. Uh I still don't think the Jags are, are in that top notch of contenders for me, Carson. I think I still have the Chiefs above them. But uh, the Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, I think the Jags are in that uh, Lions AFC tier, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? They're probably that first contender out. They're going to win their division. I wouldn't pick them to do any damage, but I still believe in the Jags. I want to see a rematch of these two teams healthy. I was really excited for this one, and that kind of, I don't know, that, that killed my enthusiasm for this game. That's a huge loss, and if Matt Milano is not out there, man, I... I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of faith in this Bills defense. They're they're good. I like this pass rush. I think their pass rush is great, but Trey White goes down. Matt Milano's down. Those are two really uh, imperative uh, defenders for this Bills defense, man, and they need them out there the rest of this season. So, good win for the Jags. I was really impressed with Etienne. He carried me to a fantasy win this week, but I took it with a grain of salt because of the Milano injury in London, stuff like that, but still a good win for the Jags. I take away a lot more about the Bills for this game than the Jags, and you hit on the key point. Matt Milano is likely done for the season. He's got a fractured leg. There may be damage to the knee. They're checking the ACLs as well. That is beyond devastating, especially in succession, one week after losing Trey White, who is obviously their number one corner, and... On the same drive in this game, Daquan Jones goes down, who is not Matt Malone, first team all pro caliber, but has been stellar on that interior D-line, really good against the run. And this Bills defense just was not the same with all of those absences. They could not get a stop in this game. After that first drive, when you have Daquan and Milano out, the Jags averaged 52 yards per drive. Two of their even non-scoring drives were turnovers at the Bills' 12 and 24-yard line where they sort of get bailed, bailed out there. They just completely controlled this game. I think had almost double the first downs, almost double the time of possession, and the Bills just couldn't stop the run, which hasn't been the strength of the defense this year. They've been actually really good getting pressure, but... Without Daquan, who is that stalwart on the interior, Milano is an exceptional coverage linebacker, and I think coming into this game had the lowest passer rating when targeted of any linebacker in football. It was something like 28. He had picks in the two opening weeks. He's just sensational all around, but he's also fierce pursuing the ball. He's totally an impact guy in the run game. Jags get almost 200 rushing yards on 40 attempts. They just kept prolonging drives. They kept wearing out that defense that now had its depth impaired because they're missing several starters. So that was just really a demoralizing way for that game to go. The pass rush did still get a lot of pressure, but they struggled to actually bring T-Law down in the fourth quarter. They end this game with five sacks, but it was just those late drives where early... 
The Bills' offense was very stagnant. The play calling was not creative. They could not run the ball in this game. The running backs carried 10 times for 14 yards, which is always a red flag for them just historically over the last few years when they can't run the football at all. They become so reliant on superhero Josh Allen. The run game has been much better this year, but it was not in this game. But there was just nothing explosive going offensively. They kept having to deal with penalty after penalty in this game. And then finally... Josh starts rolling. That second to last drive, even with a penalty that takes back a nice run, even with a penalty that takes back a touchdown on that drive, he has an unbelievable throw to Gabe Davis, who makes a great catch. Then the next drive, right after another Jacksonville score, pushes the ball 70 yards downfield in two plays. I mean, just a lightning quick score. So yeah, it was pretty late that they actually started getting going, but you got superhuman Josh Allen but it doesn't matter if you can't get a stop and they just could not stop the run. And I am absolutely concerned that that is going to be a problem. And I'm also worried about Trey White's absence because I thought that Kair Elam really struggled in coverage. That's a guy who, although the Bills spent a first round pick on him last year, they have not wanted to play and he was forced to step up into a big role and he struggled. We've talked a bit about if Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer have lost a bit of a step on that back line just being in their early mid thirties. And I thought Hyde had two costly mistakes at the end of this game where you see just that lack of speed. He got burnt by Calvin Ridley on a third down conversion. And then the very next play couldn't catch Etienne on a touchdown. So I worry about their ceiling. If this defense is not elite because the defense had been so good through four weeks, but this is devastating to lose two of your best defensive players for the season, very likely, and another damn good defensive player for we don't know how long. It's just heartbreaking because this Bills team hasn't been able to get it all together in terms of health. Last year, right, Micah Hyde was injured most of the season. Right as Trey White comes back, Von Miller goes down. They just have this incredibly talented unit, but it hasn't been realized because of some of that misfortune. So... I'm not worried too much about in a vacuum how the Bills played in this game necessarily, but those injuries completely changed the outlook here. And what the injuries exposed is real and it is concerning. So I would still take them in the AFC over anybody outside of the Chiefs, but that's not the ball game they're playing. They're trying to get to the Super Bowl. They're trying to win the Super Bowl. And I think that these injuries have really hampered their chances of doing that. Yeah, and like you said, Carson, it's not just two talented guys. It's two all-pros, like guys that are the best at their positions. And you're exactly right, man. It's devastating that you just want to see it all come together, right? I always feel robbed as a sports fan when it's a tenet of sports. The healthiest team is normally going to come out on top, right? When injuries happen at the end of the season, it doesn't always come down to the more talented team or the hottest team. It's mm -hmm. the team that's got all their guys out there on the field, I, it's yeah it sucks man it's as a sports fan I want to see all teams fully healthy I want to see them at their best and this could be a a thing that sinks the Bills ship at the end of this season man it's come back to bite them in years previous and I hope it doesn't is there any way you think they can supplement these injuries Carson are there any guys that you're looking to step up on that side of the ball is there anything differently you think the Bills should do on offense uh, to help with the time of possession gap or do you think they're just uh playing uh playing from a deficit right now I'm not worried about the offense. Like, there are little things that we've seen bite them a couple times. I don't think Ken Dorsey's a great play caller. The run game 
we still sort of have to watch. It's definitely been improved. I like James Cook a lot. He's the best running back they've had. But at the end of the day, I mean, they had three straight explosive offensive weeks before this. We saw it get going at the end. They just didn't have it in this game. They could never build a rhythm. I'm much more concerned about the defense, their inability to get off the field. And no, they can't replace Matt Milano and Trey White. We've seen it. Like, Dodson is okay but I'm really worried about the corner situation. This knocks them down a peg. And after such a dominant, resounding performance against Miami, of course, the two weeks before that, they blew out the Raiders, they blew out the Commanders. But to do that against your chief division rival this year and a team that a lot of people were starting to crown as maybe the AFC favorite, to shut them down with a performance like that on both sides of the ball, unstoppable offensively, dominant defensively, it's just really, really unfortunate. So, again, I would still have them above the Jags long term. I thought this was a good game for Jacksonville. I thought it was great how well they were able to run the ball. I thought the T-Law played a nice controlled game and was able to do some stuff with his legs as well. I still think the Bills are the more talented all-around football team. I still prefer who they have at the quarterback position. But I would take the Chiefs over them concretely now, which... With a fully healthy defense last year, I probably wouldn't have said. I felt that the Bills really had the potential to dominate games all around in a, in a unique way when their defense was playing at that level. But you mentioned another team in that conversation in the AFC, and that is the Baltimore Ravens, who lost in absolutely shocking and strange and peculiar fashion to your Pittsburgh Steelers. But maybe it shouldn't be that shocking because this is just kind of what Pittsburgh does somehow. What did you take away from this game? This changes absolutely nothing for me <laughs> as a Steelers fan. Like, Carson, you said this uh, in the group chat. It made me laugh, dude, and you're just so on the head with it. The Steelers do not play the same sport as other teams. No. We are not playing football, man. We are just playing defense. Yeah. It's just... And special it's teams. Just, it's 60 minutes of defense and special teams, and let's not screw it up, guys. What a weird, stinky ugly game man all the things that the Steelers had to do man it's just frustrating because as a Steelers fan right I have this irrational faith that week to week we're going to win because we do stuff like this even when our offense is so anemic when nothing is going right Joby forces a fumble earlier in this game we put three points on the board man we needed it we get a safety in this game off of a blocked punt we have TJ Force a fumble in a sack to close this out. He's menacing all over this uh, all over this game. Pressure all game long. Joey Porter Jr. has to get an interception after the Ravens have marched down into the red zone. Gets his first career interception. Also, side note here. Guys, play PZ Jr. more. He might be our best cornerback. Like, what a revelation. Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson have been getting burned all over the field for weeks. Give him some burn. PZ Jr. has looked awesome in all the snaps that we have played. But again... We need all these things, this laundry list of crazy defensive plays that don't happen in normal football games. But you're in a Steelers game, so it's like there's a 75% chance higher probability that this happens. The PZ pick leads to the Pickens game-winning touchdown, which, fun fact too, this is what people have been saying uh, because we get the booth shot of Matt Canada. Apparently, that was not the designed call, the go route for Pickens. Apparently, Pickett checked that at the line of scrimmage, saw that Pickens had one-on-one -on -one and throws a beautiful deep ball uh, that seals this one up for Pittsburgh. I mean, I just don't understand, like, why the Steelers don't do that more often. Pickens 
is one of the best one-on-one receivers, I think, in football. And I know the numbers aren't going to reflect that, but he is so He's such a freak athletically. He can just get up higher than any other corner that he's matched up with. And he has such great body control on the sidelines to go and get it. He's also got crazy burners. It doesn't change anything to me. That was an awesome play, but that wasn't even what Matt Canada called. Like, Carson, I think a lot of people after this game, they're going to take a look that we beat the Ravens that were somehow at this point We don't have a losing record. They're going to take this. They're going to put us in the top 15. They're going to put us fringe top 10. The Pittsburgh Steelers should be somewhere between 22 and 23 in your power rankings. I've been saying it for five weeks now. If we don't have five to 10 explosive defensive plays, turnovers, touchdowns, interceptions, fumbles, sacks, whatever, if we don't have that requisite amount of explosive defensive plays, we are not going to win. We needed all of that and more to pull this one out. It's absurd. No NFL team should be winning football games like this, and the Steelers managed to do it. Like I said, man, this doesn't really change anything. I still think we're limited offensively. Our ceiling is really low because of Matt Canada and his offensive ineptitude, but damn, that defense is nice, and I love that we can do that week to week. It's just frustrating that we have to win games like this because the Steelers, frankly, have no other formula that works. No, it is so, so strange. And the blocked punt reminded me of week one, two years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, Logan, against when Buffalo, they played man. the Bills and they had the blocked punt return for a touchdown. And it was like Buffalo was so clearly so much better. They outgained them by, I'm sure, at least 100 yards. They outplayed them the entire game. And yet they lose, and you think surely Pittsburgh can never do anything like this again, and you look up, and despite having a bad offense and a significantly negative point differential, there they are in the playoffs yet again. There's nobody else in football who does anything close to this. And this year, it is game to game. Like you said, they need the game-breaking plays defensively, or they don't have a chance. Against the Niners and the Texans, they don't have those. They lose those games by 23 and 24 points. But... When they can get two defensive touchdowns against the Browns, when they can force three turnovers against the lowly Raiders, they can win those games. And this was another wild example of that. I would fire Matt Canada, though. And I understand (laughs) that's what everybody wants. But you can't spend 90% of the day sitting at three points as if this doesn't happen every week and just be content with that. You mentioned the only explosive play of the day is the Kenny Pickett audible. I don't know why Najee Harris is getting more touches than Jalen Warren. I mean, it was a more even distribution today, but Warren is a way better receiving back. He's far more explosive. The offense is still one of the most limited in football. I have concerns about Kenny and I don't think it's a good football team. I'm with you. This doesn't move the needle, but they win games that nobody else wins. Like it's just the strangest thing. And for the Ravens, The way that they've lost their two games this year has been very strange because they controlled this game. They outplayed the Colts, if you can remember that one a couple weeks ago. So both their losses feel very self-inflicted. Against Indianapolis, it was a couple fumbles. Justin Tucker misses a field goal. They don't get that holding call that probably definitely should have been called on Zay Flowers that would have given them a chance to score. So they outgain the Colts, they outplay them, but they still lose. And that was the case again in... This game, they were effective on the ground, as always. Lamar was actually so good in this game, so much better than the numbers will reflect because it was a Baltimore receivers disaster class. They have five first-half drops, 
a really bad one from Zay Flowers in that first half that would have put them comfortably in, within field goal range, been a first down, so that would have been more points. Rashad Bateman drops a touchdown outright. That costs them more points. Later in the game, you have Zay Flowers fall down on what could have been a massive gain on a deep ball where I do think Lamar was slightly off target, but Flowers was open. I mean, if he could have maintained his balance, that would have been another play where they end up getting cost points. And then, yeah, you have a blocked punt. You have, I really disliked that play call on just the fade to Odell. That's a terrible play call. When you have an athlete like Lamar do something to force the defense to shift, get a rollout going at some sort of RPO, or just with a dominant run game, run the football. But that was ugly. And then a strip sack ended. Like, it's a very strange loss for the Ravens. It's a very Steelers win for Pittsburgh. I think Baltimore is the much better football team, but obviously they have to start winning games like this more routinely, and they haven't really had that decisive, dominant Ravens win that we've become accustomed to. I still think this is a really, really good defense, and I still think it should be a pretty darn good offense. I think Lamar's playing at a high level. I think this is the best weapons he's had. So this doesn't change my long-term outlook on these teams, but it is very, very on-brand for your Steelers. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code NERDS only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's talk about another team in the AFC North, Logan, who really needed a win today, and they got it, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you buying a bounce back here, a redemption arc for them after beating the Cardinals? Yeah, it's contingent on Joe Burrow's health and how he looks week to week, but man, what a resounding answer. Like, I was fully in on... Burrow's hurt. He needs to sit. Like, there's no bouncing back from where the Bengals were offensively. Like, I just thought that Joe Burrow's injury was way too harsh to come back from. I mean, he looked like a completely different quarterback in this football game. 36 of 46, 317 yards, three TDs, going through his progressions faster. He was planting and moving. He was scrambling for meaningful games. And the biggest thing to me was, well, not only the scrambles, that was insane. I stood up out of my seat when I saw Joe break the pocket and run. I could not I could not believe my eyes. The one play that I thought really, really impressed me and hammered home that Joe's back was that third and goal where he rolls out to the right side and throws back across the field uh, to Jamar Chase for that touchdown. To extend the play when the pressure gets home and to buy more time to replant and then throw to Chase on the other side, it's just... That's what, that's what this Bengals offense needs. Like, they're not 
uber they are they are really talented in receiving core positions but the offensive line isn't great there was still a ton of pressure on burrow but he persevered for the bengals to be great they need joe burrow to play like a top three quarterback and that's how he played today also jamar chase is so absurd man he really is 7-11 bro's always open I'm still really, really worried about this defense. That's what is going to hold me back from really buying into Cincinnati. If Joe plays like this week to week, the Bengals can win any football game, but they have the 19th ranked passing defense by yards per uh, per attempt. That's okay. That's about as expected, again, with the losses of their two safeties, but they have the 30th ranked rushing defense by yards per carry. And I, I, if the Cardinals hadn't dug themselves such an early hole, Carson, I think they could have won this. Like, uh, Rondell Moore has three carries for 50 yards. James Conner has six for 46. Mercado has 10 for 45. They've just been ran on by every team that they've played thus far, and I think that is going to continue to be an issue. As long as teams aren't playing with a deficit against Cincinnati, I give them a fighting chance. Again, you can play that time of possession, grind the clock out, really pound the ball on the Bengals. I'm really, really worried about this defense, but if Joe plays like this, like I said, man, every week to week, uh, I, I buy into the Bengals making a playoff push. They're still, I mean, a playoff push. I don't, I, they're still not a top-notch contender. I'd still probably take the Ravens. I'd still probably take the Browns. I just think those teams are overall better, but there's there's a chance. I, I wouldn't predict it. I probably wouldn't take the Bengals to make the playoffs right now, but there's there's definitely a chance. There is a chance. I agree. The biggest thing that this team needed to be revitalized was to see Joe Burrow look like himself. And I think you addressed everything. His pocket mobility looked much better. He had the 10-yard scramble. He just wasn't the statue that he has been all year where he has been so limited and facing pressure with a bad offensive line. Just a nightmarish combination. Of course, Arizona's defense is not good. They couldn't cover Jamar. It's not a very good Arizona pass rush, but they were able to get pressure in this game, which is still concerning for the Cincy offensive line. And since he still couldn't run the ball, again, I still didn't like their protection in this game. So the Burrow resurgence is great, but I do see a team that has regressed overall. I do see a team that is very singularly dependent on him and the passing game that has to fight an uphill battle still in terms of schedule i mean after this it's seattle it's at the niners it's the bills they still have to go to the ravens they still have to play the steelers twice those are tough football games to win they go to jacksonville they got to play the browns again like the chiefs there's just a lot of tough games on that schedule for a team that i still don't think is very good all around so yeah this saved the possibility of them making a playoff push, but there's no way I buy them as a contender and I wouldn't be confident about them being a playoff team. This was also disappointing for the Cardinals because I went on last week's yeah, show and yeah. said I thought the Cardinals were going to win. This was a really bad Josh Dobbs game. I thought that it was not just the three turnovers, including the pick six, which was devastating. That was bad. He was careless with the football, but I mean, he should have thrown another pick into the end zone. He was 15 of 32 on the day. He was just off target. He was making bad decisions. It felt very chaotic. And he's been impressively composed and efficient and controlled up to this point and blended that with some really nice athleticism. So it was an ugly game for Arizona. It was a good game for Cincinnati. Still worried about the defense. Still worried about the secondary, worried about the pass rush, worried about the run defense, worried about the offensive line, worried about the offensive run game. 
and hopefully Joe Burrow keeps this level up. But that's just a lot of things that still concern me with Cincinnati. So I don't know that this alone writes the ship, but it was definitely a step in the right direction, and we'll see how they build off of it. But you know who took another decisive step in the wrong direction, Logan? A week after suffering the biggest loss of the Bill Belichick era, the Patriots very nearly do it again. Is their season over? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, it's it's wraps. I, I there's again, man, with the Steelers, with the Patriots, it's the same thing, man. Like there's just a reputation there culturally that, that you buy into that you think, oh man, there's no way New England wins less than, you know, six, seven games, right? They're gonna somehow find their way there. And statistically, this is still a top ten defense in terms of yards per attempt against the pass and yards per carry against the rush. It's just I mean, wow. I've never seen this. I've just never seen this from a Patriots team, dude, to get drubbed like that on the road and then to come back home. I mean, this is a statement game. There's a there's a pride element here with any football team, with any sports team. You get clapped one week. This is the week you bounce back, and you stand on it, and you say, this is my home turf. We're going to win. And not only are we are going to win, we're going to beat the Saints. The Saints aren't good. The Saints are a mid-team. Like, I didn't want to bet on this game because I thought it was a stink show. Two, you know, defensive-minded teams, uh, really grimy offenses. And again, in New England, I didn't really want to touch this one. I've never seen two games like this in the Bill Belichick era. And yeah, I do think their season's over. We can start with the injuries. Christian Gonzalez injured. Matthew Judon also injured in this one, or still out. I don't know when they're going to come back. If those guys are out, those are two really big defensive losses. But offensively, there is nothing encouraging at all. And Mac Jones freaking stinks i get it this is not a good offensive situation i don't think bill o'brien's a good offensive mind i think his offensive line frankly sucks i think the wideout talent here is pretty abysmal but mac is not a good quarterback man his pocket presence his that pick six he threw in this one was absolutely embarrassing there's just carson i think you said it a couple weeks back which props to you man i don't know why people disagreed when you said mac jones sucked i mean you got a lot of pushback people saying Oh, man, you know, it's it's the situation. He's going to bounce back. The big distinction, distinction to me for Mac Jones versus even just average other quarterbacks is the creation aspect that you touched on a couple weeks back when the pass rush gets home, when the play breaks down, right? We've seen Brock Purdy clear out of a pocket, roll out and throw dimes. Mac can't move. Mac can't make stuff happen. And that's like a bare minimum requirement when there's nothing else there on the table. So, yeah, man, I think this is a tough division. I think the Jets are going to play them tight. I think the Dolphins are going to drub them. I think the Bills are going to drub them. I, I, and the offense can't move the ball. So, it. I think the best case scenario, man, I, I know this is very unpatriot-like. Like, throw in the towel, man. Get a high draft pick. Go find your new franchise QB, man. I don't know who it is. I don't know if the Patriots can stink enough to somehow climb into number one and get Caleb Williams. That's obviously the dream scenario for any bad team this season. They need a new quarterback. They need a complete offensive overhaul. And let me ask you this too, Carson. I want to know if, if you think they're completely done this year too. I mean, do you think that – is Bill Belichick – on the hot seat, do you think that's a reality that we're living in where you think the Patriots might consider dumping him at the end of the year? I cannot conceive of that, but I think that both sides could be helped by a mutual breakup here because this is not a roster that's going to contend. I don't think it's a good look for Bill to continue to trot out these mediocre teams. And 
I think that there's a lot of things wrong with the Patriots offense. I think they're bad pretty much everywhere. But I think if they were to overhaul this regime, if they were to draft a quarterback high, get a young offensive mind in there, that would be a pivot in the right direction. I just don't think Bill has it like that anymore. I think he's made some questionable decisions as GM. I mean, they drafted a punter and a kicker this year. The kicker sucks. Like, they should probably cut the guy. But it goes beyond that. I just think they need an inventive offensive mind in there. And Bill's just going to keep tarnishing his legacy i don't know that he can fall from his status as the best coach ever but there will probably become a faction of people who grow louder and louder who say it was all brady it was all brady and the patriots aren't trending in a direction where they're going to be ready to disprove that soon it's not like next year they're going to come back of course this year is particularly ugly because christian gonzalez is on ir matt judon is likely out until december that sucks those are two really high impact defensive players that's supposed to be the foundation of this team but until they figure out the offense, they're scoring 11 points per game, man. Their quarterback has more turnovers than touchdowns. It just really can't get worse than that. And Mac does suck in a vacuum. People are incredible at making excuses for young quarterbacks. Just unbelievable. You see it everywhere. But you can tell, even in a bad situation, if a guy has it, he'll show you something. And you mentioned it's not just that Mac doesn't have the creation whatsoever, that he's a super limited athlete. He makes back-breaking mistakes. He's not confident standing in the pocket and making big throws from there. He is scared. He's out of control. And he's on pace to have the most pick sixes thrown in a season at this point. It's early, but he's making a hell of a push for it. He botched a pitch in this game. That's another turnover that falls on him. It's just truly hideous quarterback play. And I think the writing was sort of on the wall with him last year when Zappi took over. And it's not a situation where a lot of times the backup quarterback is, first of all, the favorite option because if the starter sucks, you want to turn him. And then sometimes he'll get undue credit. Like last year, Cooper Rush was winning football games but the Cowboys offense was struggling. It was much, much better when Dak was on the field. They were just having some great defensive performances. Zappi's two starts were their highest scoring games of the year. He was playing the position at least at a comparable level to Mac as a fourth round rookie who people didn't expect to do anything. And I don't think Bailey Zappi's good. I don't think he's good at all. But the fact that there was a large contingency last year of people saying, hey, Zappi's our guy, didn't bode well for young McCorkle. And it's only gotten worse Again, he was in such an optimal situation his rookie year. Dominant defense, dominant run game, much better offensive line. And he may be in a significantly worse situation now. But I mean, best case scenario, you're looking at a low end of the spectrum replacement level guy. A guy who can keep things together if you're really good everywhere else and can be your starter. And maybe you don't have a huge issue with him, but eventually you reach the breaking point because you're like, man... Not only can this guy not take us to the next level, he is going to make these frustrating, dumb mistakes and limit us offensively in a meaningful way. That's why I would move on. That's what I said two weeks ago. I would draft a quarterback. You just can only go so far when you are this bad offensively. The Patriots are truly one of the worst offenses in football. This is a good win for the Saints, not because of just beating the Patriots. A lot of teams are going to do that, but the margin obviously very convincing. I do think that that defense is pretty stellar, and I probably undersold it a bit in the preseason. I'm still not super impressed by the offense, but they ran the ball consistently in this game. Not super efficiently, but they committed to it. They were able to grind up the pats. I thought that Carr was solid. So 
New Orleans is a solid football team, but obviously losing 34 nothing to them and losing by 34 more points for the second straight week tells us a lot more about the New England Patriots. Okay, let's start moving through these games a bit more quickly here as we get through the rest of the schedule. Who had the most impressive expected win to you, Logan? A favorite who just took care of business. The Lions, the Dolphins, or the Eagles? I'd definitely say the Lions, and they continue to impress me week to week, man. Uh, They've scored uh, 27 points uh, in the first half in back-to-back games. That's a first time in franchise history. That's insane. Uh, I've just been really impressed with how they've been able to run the ball between the tackles. Again, I emphasize this. Uh, through the first couple of weeks. The recipe to winning with Jared Goff. Like, I like Jared Goff a lot. He's got a lively arm. He can make good decisions. He can limit mistakes. He's got good receiving talent around him. The way you completely maximize a guy like that is you give him an elite between the tackles running game and you set him up with the play action. The Rams went to the Super Bowl with Gurley in the backfield, man. And it just set him up for success. Montgomery, 19 carries, 109 yards in this one. The defense also forced turnovers. They had three in the first half. The Lions just aren't missing a beat, man. And this is, it's really hard to do what we've seen with Dan Campbell. To completely overhaul and change a culture like this is really hard, man. To step into, I mean, one of the worst football, I mean, franchises in NFL history. It, it's the Browns, it's the Lions, it's we're embarrassed to be a fan of this team. And there's a lot of excitement and there's a lot of buzz and there's a lot of things to be to be excited about with the Lions. I mean, that's a difference to me between a lot of these contenders and why Detroit is climbing closer and closer to Dallas. Detroit is really stout in the trenches. They have a really good pass rush. They establish the run every single week between the tackles, and David Montgomery is a beast. But because they can put up points like this week to week, you can beat anybody. Look, as long as Dallas is struggling and moving the ball, as long as Dak is struggling to protect the football and making costly mistakes, as long as they can't finish drives in the end zone, the Lions have a real distinct edge over them, and that's just in terms of offensive firepower. I still think Dallas's defense is a little bit better, but I said this before too. Detroit has a lot of young guys on the defensive side of the ball, and we have seen that The track record with young defenses is you get a lot better as the season goes along. Defenses in general get a lot better as the season goes along, but the young guys come a lot farther on defense. I can can see in a couple weeks here, Carson, where I have talked myself into the Lions being my third favorite team in the NFC. They just have such a high ceiling with this offense, and there's not really a recipe to stop them. Uh, I thought the Dolphins balled out too. I was super impressed with the chain again today. Man, they are fast. The Dolphins impress me a lot, but it's the Giants. I know the Lions beat the Panthers, too. The Panthers have yet to get a victory, but the Lions continue to put up points, man, and there's a lot of offenses in the NFL that can't do that. Uh, Detroit has consistently impressed me, man, through the start of the season. I'm really excited about them. Yeah, it feels like all three of these teams, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Eagles, dominated in a very on-brand way. They leaned into their formulas, but I think it's Detroit for me. Two, they ran the hell out of the ball and they empowered that efficient mistake-free golf that we have seen in his Detroit tenure this last year and a half. And hanging 42 points without Amon Ra and Jameer Gibbs, but especially your best offensive skill player in St. Brown, that is so impressive. And it's not the most dynamic receiving core in terms of speed, but Laporta is really good. That guy is open a whole lot. Reynolds has been solid. He's open a whole lot. 
so the Panthers are awful. This is concerning for them. Bryce just looks overwhelmed. He looks rattled pretty much at all times. He had the pick on the screen to Aiden Hutchinson, which was a really good play by Hutchinson, but also a, a bad decision by Bryce. He was just completely oblivious to the defender on that second pick. We talked about the rookie QB hierarchy last week. The situation is tough, but boy, he is not doing himself any favors right now. But this is three straight really strong defensive performances from Detroit. I really do like that defensive front. They are good against the run. They get pressure. And then offensively, they're just as consistent. Maybe they're not the most explosive, but they are going to wear you down by just dominating you in the trenches. So there's a gap, I would say, between them and probably that five spot. I think that Seattle's really solid in the NFC, but yeah, they are certainly much closer to Dallas and I do trust them more week to week. Dallas has a higher ceiling, I think, because of how much they can take over a game defensively, force turnovers, get seven, eight sacks in any one game, and then get the offense going with that. But who do I trust more week to week? There's no question that it is Detroit. They are a very high floor team, but they're also just a damn good football team. The Eagles, I mean, they just totally controlled this game, punishing with the run game. They had 28 first downs, five 70-plus yard drives. It's not a performance that really alters my perception of them, but it was good to see them do what they do well in this game. Jalen Hurts was really impactful with his legs. And the Dolphins also beat up on a really bad team. A-Chan is unreal, but the Giants line is so unbelievably awful I do feel bad for Danny Dimes he's bad but 17 sacks in the last two weeks they've led up to two mediocre pass rushes devastating you mentioned the speed with Miami I mean there was a stat today the seven fastest ball carrier speeds tracked this season are all Miami Dolphins they literally have four of the fastest if not the four fastest skill position players in football out there every week it's ridiculous so the offense is going to keep humming. Tua had two really bad picks. I mean, they were both straight to the defenders, but guess what? I guess a team like New York, that's certainly not going to bite them. So solid wins for all three of them, but I agree. Detroit has really put it together and it's been about the defensive progress, I would say, because we knew that this was going to be a really good offense. They were top five last year, but seeing what they've been able to achieve on that side of the ball has been very encouraging. All right. Let's just go rapid fire through these last few games. What did you take away from Titans Colts, Logan? There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Jeff T. from the Club 520 Podcast. You'll know when you get it. It'll say eBay. Authenticity. Guarantee. You'll feel it. Because when it comes to your feet, eBay has your back. Maybe it's a head-turning pair for hooping or a hot new collab. Whatever you're after. When you cop on eBay, you can trust that your kicks will be checked by experts. Not just any expert. Sneaker experts who live and breathe the culture. Real people with real hands-on authentication experience. That's when Blue Checkmark represents on our listing. eBay Authenticity Guarantee, meaning every inch, stitch, sole, logo is verified authentic through a 
detailed inspection. So when you finally step into those grill kicks, you'll realize the feeling is unlike any other. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee, the feeling of real is always within reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. olympics he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that, like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock and then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what yeah. i told you i said i said oh you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I've been trying to tell people, man, the Colts are a good football team. Yeah. I know it gets lost, especially with all the old QBs, all the losses that they have taken uh, over the past couple of years, and obviously how bad last year was. Gardner Minshew steps into this one uh, for Anthony Richardson and balls out, dude. Super efficient, mistake-free, made good decisions. I think Minshew's one of the best backups in the league, and I think they can win with either guy at the QB position. Uh, Anthony Richardson, though, man, I am concerned. Just about staying healthy, man. He takes a lot of licks, and it's just been consistent. He's not finished many football games, and that, to me, is really concerning. Uh, Richardson has got to take less licks, man. Uh, he's This is not a good... Uh, this is not a good pattern that we're seeing through the first couple of weeks, but I think the Colts are legitimately good and have been underrated uh, through the first couple of weeks of the season, man. I think they're a good football team. He has epitomized the red flag of the play style of the quarterback who is reliant on making plays outside the pocket running. You mentioned misses week three out early in week two. Now it looks like an AC joint sprain. It's a bummer, but Gardner is damn good. He's a dog. He's a competitor. You can definitely win football games with him. I did think that this was a nice controlled performance from Richardson. And then he had a beautiful throw downfield to Josh Downs. I really like Richardson and I do hope that we get to see more of him this season, which we will. He's obviously not out for the year or anything. I also thought it was a strong showing from a couple of Colts weapons who I didn't expect to pop off. I've never seen Zach Moss play a game like that in my life, and I've watched a lot of him as a Bills fan. He looked explosive. Josh Downs was super explosive. They're just a very solid all-around football team. And last year, they were one of the most disappointing teams in football. They were more talented, certainly, than their record led on. And I think that now they're having a bit of a bounce-back campaign here. The Titans are very limited in terms of their dynamism offensively, especially when they don't have a monster Henry game. Tannehill is still so reliant on the play action stuff. It's just not a good offense, but this is a good win. It's good for them to be three and two at this point, and they are definitely trending in the right direction. Let's talk about another AFC South team that very nearly got the win. Logan, what did you take away from Falcons Texans? I was really, really impressed, Carson, with that final drive from Desmond Ritter. Uh, really, really methodical. I have, uh, I've held the belief that Ritter was probably one of the five worst starting QBs in football. Uh, I'm not ready to, you know, back that one up. He's probably still bottom ten for me. But they went vert today, man. Damn, it's been a minute. Uh, they get the ball to Drake London. They get the ball to Kyle Pitts. You talk about the dynamism that was lacking in the Titans' offense week to week. 
Derrick Henry, if he does not pop off for 100 yards, there's going to be no dynamism in the offense. Well, the Falcons are in a similar boat where if their running game wasn't going, it seemed like, well, their offense is just going to sputter and stink. That was not the case today. I thought Ritter was really accurate on throws outside of the numbers. Uh, did a good job of feeding guys up the seam to just push the ball downfield. They didn't, it didn't feel like they were babysitting a quarterback in this game. And they gave him his bottle and said, all right, you're going to do this. You're going to throw to the flat. You're going to check down. Ritter actually moved the ball today, and that last drive was really methodical. So I was really impressed uh, with Ritter and uh, how he played in this game. And, uh, man, a tough loss, dude, to to have the lead and to feel like you're in control of that game. To lose in the last second field goal is brutal. But uh, this is the this is the highest I've probably been on Ritter uh, in, his, in his young career. For sure. And I had started to become a bit concerned about the Falcons because of how brutal they were offensively these last two weeks just because – when the run game wasn't dominant, they could get nothing going through the air. This was the number 32 pass attack in terms of just raw yardage coming into this game and not much better in terms of yards per attempt, 28 there. This is the first time we've really seen him push the ball downfield, Ritter, and it was impressive, and it does make me a bit higher on this team, what they can achieve. It's certainly good to have multiple ways to win. He's still one of the very low-end starters, especially in terms of pure passing. But this was the best game. He showed us stuff that we haven't seen from him up to this point. Opposite them, the Texans are solid. They're respectable. C.J. Stroud is the man. This wasn't his best game, but a couple outstanding throws on the run from him. The Texans are another team that is certainly competitive, respectable. And the AFC South overall, I think, is better than expectations. All four of those teams can play at least a little. And I wasn't too high on the division coming into the year. Okay, Chiefs-Vikings, Logan. What'd you take away from that? Uh, my big takeaway is just that the Chiefs desperately need Travis Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey's such a game-breaking talent for them in a offense that really doesn't have a whole lot, man, outside of Mahomes. Three catches uh, on a third-quarter TD drive. He has the uh, massive first down and a touchdown. And, I mean, he was hobbling, too. Uh, he exits the first half with an ankle injury, comes back and gets him in the end zone. They need Kelsey, and I think the Vikings are still really good. I, I don't really feel any differently really about good? Minnesota. The offense is really okay. good, excuse me. I, I do like Minnesota like week to week in terms of ceiling just because they can score so many points, but the defense is <laughs> god-awful, abysmal. It's going to hand – I think they're the – I think the Vikings might be the best one in four team in NFL history, man, because of this offense. But it's not it's not enough. They need their defense to pick up the slack. But yeah, my big takeaway, man, the Chiefs need Kelsey to be healthy and they need him out there to win football games because I don't really trust the offense a whole lot if he's not out there. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT, the singular greatest QB I've ever seen, but I, I still really think they need Kelsey. The Vikings go from being the worst 13-4 and four team ever to the best 1-4 and four team ever. That seems just about fair for good old Kirko Chains. Don't know if you saw, Logan, but T-Swift was not at the game today. Wonder if there's a bit of bad blood between her and Travis. <laughs> Certainly a blank space there in the crowd tonight. And gotta oh wonder if this love story... Uh... Dude, I might, I might, I might walk off. I, I might walk don't off. know if I have one more song name <laughs> in me. Gotta wonder if this love story is coming to an end and they are never, ever getting back together. I knew that she was trouble when she walked in that T Swift. Yeah. I mean, it's the same old story that it's been this year. Mahomes carrying this receiving core completions to 10 different receivers. Again, this offense does not have the same explosiveness of Chiefs offenses of years past, but it's still very good. I mean, Mahomes is just controlling the game at an expert level. 
And I got to give props to Kirk, man. I mean, he's playing really high-level football, but this defense is too bad for them to do anything meaningful, and they've just continually been bit by the turnover bug this entire year. So it really is the football gods evening things out for last year. They went from being the luckiest football team to one of the unluckiest, but they're still solid because of this offense. Shout-out to the Chiefs pass defense though on their corners for actually limiting Jettis to a reasonable yardage total for the first time ever basically I mean three catches for 28 yards that's like a one in a million performance against him so shout out to the Chiefs defense they've definitely been a bright spot this entire year okay the one team though that was able to outperform expectations against that Chiefs defense by a bit is the New York football Jets Logan who won a football game today of course, against the Denver Broncos, who are terribly allergic to winning football games. But what did you take away from that? I think the Jets have got a ton of fight left in them, man. Uh, Brees Hall is absurdly good. 22 carries, 177 yards, a TD. That's eight yards per carry. He had that 72-yard one that he broke off. I, I love watching running backs with great vision. That's one of my favorite things in football, man. Brees, the way he anticipates and sees the game is just on a different level, like his anticipation is insane, along with all the athletic and crazy physical traits that he has. He reads the field really well, and that's why he's able to break off these mammoth gains. Shout out the O-line for, uh, you know, making the initial hole. The big gains, that was all Brees. Uh, and if you talk shit, back it up, man. Come on, Sean Payton. Like, what are you doing, bro? This is... <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett's the worst coach ever. We don't want a repeat of that. I think the Broncos have thrown in the towel. I think this defense is the worst in all of football. Uh, they traded Randy Gregory uh, away. They are apparently shopping all of their defensive assets. Please don't trade PS2. Sertan's a, a beast. I, I wouldn't shop him. But apparently everybody's uh, up for grabs. And they've allowed 219 rushing yards per game over the last four weeks. Uh, a product of that is them playing you know, with massive deficits. The teams are obviously going to run the ball a little more, but they can't stop it at all. That's the 10th most rushing yards allowed in a four-week span uh, since 2000. Just absolutely abysmal. I think the Broncos are done. I still like the offense a little bit. I don't think Russell Wilson's completely washed. He's going to take probably a lot of the blame. He had a really bad game today against, uh, you know, the Jets. But uh, I think the Broncos are done for, man. And the Jets, I think, are trending in the right direction. Just week to week, I think this is a team that's going to go to war. Yeah. Dude, they have a great culture, man. And you got to give props to Sala for creating that. Obviously, you got to give props to the dudes out there for believing in it. And honestly, I do respect Zach Wilson. He sucks, but he competes. And I think that he really wants to be a leader. And I respect that. Brees Hall is ridiculously shifty and quick and explosive. And he's averaging 7.2 yards per attempt so far because of just the ability to rip off these ridiculous big runs despite playing behind a not very good offensive line. But... I don't take away a whole lot for either of these teams. I think that they both suck. I will say I was impressed by the Broncos running back play. I think that McLaughlin, that dude's legit. I thought that P Ryan was pretty damn good in this game, but it's going to come down the story of Denver season to some of the most shocking defensive regression that we've ever seen just from one year to another. And Maybe the Jets offense didn't dominate in this game, but they still let up 31 points and they let up a lot of that on the ground. And it's just alarming. It is an alarmingly awful defense in Denver. Crazy for Sean Payton to come back and choose this as his spot for redemption. 
they're both among the handful of worst teams in football. It's a bummer to say that about the Jets because, I mean, the defense is really good, but it's still a really bad offense. And they just don't have the sort of between-the-tackles run game that I think you can rely on week-to-week because that line isn't good. They're very dependent on Brees Hall doing superhuman stuff, and that's just a lot to ask of any running back to carry an offense like that in the year 2023. So... There you have it, folks, our thoughts on every single game of today. Hope you enjoyed. If you want more Nerd Sesh content, then you can subscribe to the Volume YouTube page to get all of our shows with video. You can also listen to the show across all audio platforms. You can follow us on social media, TikTok at Nerd Sesh. Instagram is the same handle and Twitter at nerd underscore sesh. You'll see clips from the show and lots of our fun NBA and NFL trivia content. You can also buy our merch at thevolume.com. That link is at the link tree across our social media bios, where you can also join our Discord if you want to talk football, basketball, be part of our community there. And you can check us out on Cameo if you have any custom messages you want from the nerds. So with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between, like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly. How much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.